Welcome to International Podcast Month, or IPM. IPM is brought to you by the organizational team, Cole, Tess, and Theron. A very special thank you to all of our participants, without whom this event wouldn't be possible. And now, on to the episode. Welcome to an IPM Creator Conversation episode. This is Colbert Hart, and today I'm interviewing R.K. Wild, uh, who is a writer, creator, uh, DM, podcaster, just does does everything. Um, Ross, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. Yes, I'm very excited. <laughs> All right, so uh, R.K., for, for folks who haven't... Uh, met you before or know any of your work to tell what 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 do you do so specifically within the podcasting space um mm-hmm. i am the co-creator and uh lead creative director i think is the title that we came up with uh for the podcast uh prison pals mm-hmm. which is an all ages actual play D podcast or at least it was mm-hmm. it's currently going through a hiatus for volume two Um, I also, within Podcasting Universe, am the creator of Fear and Living Color, which is an all-QTPOC horror anthology podcast, which is coming out soon. Very excited for it. (laughs) I'm so excited. Uh, The prologue is very good, Mm -hmm. and I've been talking with the cast, and I'm very excited to get stuff rolling for Volume 1. So so Fear in, in Living Color is definitely more of the horror side. You started with Prison Pals, which is a specifically, like, kids show. How did you get into doing Prison Pals? Prison Pals was kind of... It it was how, like, everybody's podcast starts nowadays. Especially (laughs) actual plays of just, like, a friend is like, Oh, hey, let's make an actual play podcast. Uh, For Mm -hmm. us specifically, it was that I was in college, I was jamming a game. um, And one of my very close friends of that game basically came up to me and went, Hey... You and I love D&D. The other folks are busy all the time. Let's make a podcast. Uh, and I went, sure, great, sounds fun, I'll, I'll start working on a world. And they went, but wait, one thing, I want it to be all ages and gay. And I said, fantastic, sounds good to me. Uh, because it was kind of a niche that, like, didn't exist. Like, even mm-hmm. nowadays, you still hear, like... Parents will say, oh, well, queer stuff isn't family friendly, it isn't all ages, like, it's not Mm -hmm. safe for people to consume, and it's not just a conservative mindset, there are even liberals who think the same things. Mm -hmm. Um, We even had, like, a friend of the show, like, friend of a friend, basically say, oh, can you do all ages and queer content? And we were like, yes, that's the literal point (laughs) of this. And so how did you know about crafting your world specifically for a a kid's audience? So I did it poorly, to be honest. (laughs) Um, Because I went into this with a mindset of like, oh, the stuff we've been doing in our current show is pretty, like in our current game is pretty family friendly. Mm -hmm. And I just went about it how I did that. And then around episode four or five, Uh, Actually, no, end of episode one of the main campaign, an event happens, which is dark. It is the darkest Mm. the campaign gets um, at the end of episode one. Um, And Mm. basically, the players pulled me aside and said, hey, GM, too dark. Mm. Tone it back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then I basically looked at the world and I went, okay, 
we're toning it back. How do I pull this back but still tell a meaningful, heavy story? And I looked at inspiration from things like Steven Universe, Adventure Time, mm-hmm. uh, other shows like Over the Garden Wall also was a huge inspiration of just like telling stories for kids that still have a weight and a depth to them without being overwhelmingly dark. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really it was thanks to the fact that like a player basically pulled me aside and said, that was too much. You need to, you need to calm down. This isn't our normal game. Um, cause I hadn't really thought about crafting for an all ages audience before that. Yeah. Um, and, and this brings up a really good point of, uh, I suppose safety systems and that your player was able to pull you aside and you place a big emphasis on, on safety systems and the etched card. Did you talk a little bit more about your, your reasoning behind that? Yeah, so um, I'm actually a safety consultant and sensitivity reader for things uh, in the TTRPG sphere. Um, I also do some stuff outside of the TTRPG sphere. Mm -hmm. But safety systems are incredibly important. Uh, As someone who is neurodiverse, sometimes it can be hard to discuss intention or communicate properly. Or you just misunderstand communications. It's just how my own brain works. Mm -hmm. Um, And I play in games with a lot of other queer people, most of whom are also neurodiverse in some sort of way. And it just, it standardizes the conversation around what people are comfortable with, what people want to enjoy Mm -hmm. from what they're looking for from the game. Um... And it's not just for the players, it's also for the GM. When I GM a game, I have a specific set of lines and veils that I use, which I give to the players before they even, like, have session zero. And for for folks who aren't familiar with lines and veils, could you discuss it a little bit more? Yeah, lines and veils are basically, think of your favorite show. There are certain things they'll show on screen, certain things they'll talk about off screen, and certain things they won't ever show so something that's behind a line is something that's never referenced to or Mm -hmm. alluded to or even mentioned jokingly in in the context of the world or even at the context of the table uh Mm -hmm. veils are things that are behind a drawn curtain in a sense or like off screen so a lot of a lot of times people will say i don't want character death on screen like we can Mm -hmm. talk about it we can discuss what happened we can like talk about the emotions the grief from that but i don't want to watch someone die on screen Mm. or it can be things like a classic one that most shows and movies use is sexual content you'll see two people kiss and then it'll fade to black it's it happens you know it happens but they don't show it to the audience Mm. um so that's that's what lines and veils are um and I specifically have, like, a spreadsheet that I use that's anonymous, so everyone can fill it in, but my stuff is already there before they even join. That way, when they pull it up, it's not a blank sheet and someone has to make the first move. Someone's already made the first move, and you can just go in and fill in what you want. Um, And making it anonymous means that people don't feel pressured to, like, explain their traumas to everyone at the table. Exactly. Um, and and you use this both in in non-recorded games as well as recorded games. What um besides the usual the the obvious benefits? What what benefits do you think are are there in specifically a like recorded podcast setting? Uh, specifically safety systems. Uh, in a recorded setting, mm-hmm. make it so that there's less 
sort of having to deal with the minutia of things. You don't have to like pause a recording to like discuss if something goes wrong. You have that vocabulary, you know what's going to come up. In addition, I feel like it it gives you a bit of trust with your players. Like if everybody comes into the session zero and treats safety tools properly and like gives it the respect it deserves it gives you that level of trust of knowing okay i can trust my players to like have this conversation with me about safety and have this discussion even if it's not like getting into super super details but still just like talking about it and discussing what they want um especially in the sense of like you have so many different actual play podcasts in the market right and a lot of them have very similar stories, or mm-hmm. in some cases, the same stories or like the same tropes. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that shows don't do well sometimes is they do a big reveal, and you can immediately tell when someone isn't comfortable with the reveal or didn't realize this was happening. Like, it completely takes the story in a different direction. Uh, there's one very famous instance of this that I can imagine, that I know of, uh, yeah. where a GM suddenly introduces aliens in the last few sessions of a campaign. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, and it kind of, like, throws the campaign off whack. Like, the, the story just gets lost for a moment. Um, and you, like, feel the confusion in everyone there. So I think having that sort of safety system there to be able to, like, even start the conversation about here's what the story is going to be, here's the story we're trying Mm -hmm. to tell. Uh, Hell yeah, I love that. Um, (laughs) No, that's very good. Uh, Perfect. Uh, So you talked a lot about how a lot of podcasts kind of fall into the same, like, feel and style. Um, And you've made a very big effort to, like differentiate yourself from from everyone how do you handle being the um oh what's a good term for it a a, a visible indicator of of <laughs> diversity and inclusivity <laughs> <laughs> well uh oh god um <laughs> for, for the... listeners this is a joke <laughs> This is this is a very big joke. Uh, it's something a white person said about people of color and diverse people, and it's just <sighs> ridiculous. But but um, in all seriousness, what yes. do you do to 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 make sure that you you stand out in the work that you do? I actively talk about the fact that I'm queer. I'm a person of color. <laughs> I'm non-binary. I don't like. Mm-hmm. At no point will I ever be like. Haha, no, I'm your good neighborhood sidekick. Like, it's not gonna happen. (laughs) Um, Another thing that, like, a big part of the mentality that I kind of have when it comes to the projects that I make, when it comes to, like, the stories I want to tell, Mm -hmm. I don't want the people of color to be in the on the back end. I don't want them to be the back burner. I don't want them to be the fun person of color sidekick who just sticks around and then like doesn't really have any character development. Like it, it's mm-hmm. never been my desire for that. And a lot of that came from being in the TTRPG community and the podcasting community and seeing how so many people will say like Oh yeah, we love people of color, we're supporting people of color, but when it comes down to like building spaces, they refuse to do it, or they say, sorry, we started as a friends thing, 
or they'll say, oh, uh, we don't have space for that right now. Uh, we can't afford to pay for it. voice acting friends who are just looking to play some <clears throat> tabletop role-playing games. I wasn't going to say that specifically, but that's <laughs> one of them. But but it's it's a trend. It, 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 it happens all over the community. You see it with certain streaming communities um, and with a lot of different podcasting communities of just like, mm-hmm. okay, you showed us a casting list for your newest show and there's not a drop of seasoning between all of you. It's just Italian mayonnaise, and there's nothing we can do with that. Um, I can't make a full meal with just Italian mayonnaise. I need some spices. You can, but be very disappointing. Ugh. Ew. <laughs> but, but yeah, like, and it's not just, it's not just being a person of color, because, like, my queerness is so inherent in my stories, too. Um... In fact, we like I I I professionally run games, so I run games off stream mm-hmm. and I get paid for it. And during one of my games, uh, it was a masks game, and a player's dad specifically said, "Oh, when I was pregnant with you," and all of the players were like, "Oh, this is a trans dad. This is a trans dad." Um, the great part about that story, though, is that my player, who is also queer, messaged me in the Zoom chat and went, RK, why would you bring Omegaverse into it before anyone else had a chance to say that it was a trans dad? No! <laughs> but but yeah, I, I incorporate queerness into all my stories. It was a trans dad, it was not Omegaverse. Please don't. Um, <laughs> Please don't at them. Please don't at them. Uh, <laughs> but yes. Uh, and like, my NPCs most of the time have some sort of queer story or like person of color origin stuff. Like, it, it's it's just like, it's so easy to build worlds and build stories. And like, heck, one my only like published writing credit in like a gaming thing that isn't like mm-hmm. prose or sort of like descriptive is an adventure module in Unbreakable. Um, which is a all-Asian anthology of, like, 5e adventures. Um, and I wrote an adventure called The Lost Rafi, which is all about this, like, legendary warrior who is in town, and the king's like, oh, hey, go find me this warrior, because there's an army coming. Um, and the sort of power dynamics there, and all that stuff. Um, and, like, it's just... Being a person of color and being a visible indicator of inclusivity (laughs) isn't something I can turn off. Mm -hmm. And it's something I don't want to turn off. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I said before, a lot of it came around because of the fact that I was in an industry that was so white that I went, no, I'm not going to be white. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to like try and be as straight as possible. I'll talk about shit that happens on Grinder on my Twitter. I'll talk about, like, experiences with racism that I've had. Like, I'm gonna be vocal about that stuff. And that was very important to me. I love that. Um, this is this is not a question I had planned, but something I, I kind of wanted into is, you get a lot of shit on your Twitter. <laughs> um, oh, yes. Be- yeah, yes. Because, of, because of the fact that you are so open about your experiences. How do you, 
how do you handle that? And how do you make sure that you are taking care of yourself? Because the internet's rough, buddy. So, so, mm-hmm. big, big little, big detail. Um, mm-hmm. This has been a recent development for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went into Twitter and I turned off notifications from people I don't follow or who don't follow me. Great. <laughs> That has made my Twitter so much more mad, so like so magical, because I get to talk with friends, and it's like this nice area where I talk with friends, and I never know if someone's done something shitty until someone <laughs> responds to the shitty person and goes, "How dare you say this?" And then I'm like, "Oh, that's a shitty comment. Let me just go ahead and block that, and not deal with it, because I don't have the time or the space in my brain for it." Um. But yeah, for a long time it was difficult because I didn't realize that Twitter had those tools. I didn't realize that like mm. online spaces had those tools for me. But like, even though online spaces have those tools, some of them are very bad about using them or aren't doing enough to protect people for it. For example, the hate raids that are going on on, t- on Twitch right now. Mm-hmm. Like, Twitch isn't doing enough. And like, people have those tools, yes, but the fact still remains that people can get around those tools. Mm-hmm. And there's more that Twitch should be go- doing. There's more that Twitter should be doing. Like, ban the Nazis. Mm-hmm. Why are there still Nazis Please. on Please, Twitter? Please, Jack. It's because Jack is a Nazi. Jack can't ban himself. Or at least I mean, I could. Um. I'd ban him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, it, it's just... And like, I highly recommend, if your Twitter experience is really bad... And, like, you hate Twitter because of the shit that mm-hmm. people say to you. Just turn it on so only mutuals you get notifications from. It makes your Twitter so much more lovely. Instead of blowing up every Tuesday for saying I'm a person of color, I get to blow up every, like, other day when I say something outrageously shitposty. And it's great. <laughs> uh, they are. They are. And and for folks who do want to go follow you and your your terrible, terrible posts, where, where can folks find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Russ Wildest. Uh, Perfect. No spaces or anything, just at Russ Wildest. All right. Before we go, I wanted to talk a little bit about the... The massive charity work that you do, um, you help run Fuck Cancer, Roll Dice. Uh, could you talk a little bit about how you got into doing such massive online, I don't want to say conventions, but online fundraisers and charities mm-hmm. and things like that? Uh, fuck Cancer, Roll Dice, and also the Prison Piles Pride Month stuff that we did la- uh, two years ago, I think. Wow, it's been a while. Uh Panera Bread really just switches uh-huh. up your timelines. This pa- panorandemic really, uh, really stalled some stuff. <laughs> um, but Fuck Cancer Roll Dice was is a charity uh, event that happens in November. Um, it's run by my friend Zach Henry, who basically runs it as a memorial to their friend who died of brain cancer a while ago. Um, and the way I kind of fell into it and this is going to sound really funny, this is, how, this is how I fall into a lot of things, is I saw him, like, running, starting to run it in August, because it's in November, and he was starting to ask for, like, GMs to apply. And the way he was asking for GMs to apply was via email, and I texted him, and I was like, stop. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> 
you sit down, I'll send up a Google form, and it'll be ready in two days. You mean you don't want 300 emails to a single specific email account that you can't sort through? That you can't, like, sort through or give, like, any questions or make sure people are filling in answers, that kind of stuff. Um, So it kind of started out as that, and then it just became, like... Zach being like, hey, I don't know how to do this thing. Can you help me? And me being like, yeah, sure, I got it. No problem. And like (laughs) running around and doing that thing. Or like looking up a YouTube video to figure out how to do that thing. Um, And it ended up with me basically like co... I would say like, I don't know, co-running the event that year. Um, And like... It, it truly was one of those things that I've just fallen into, which is how I would describe a lot of the things I've I've done. Yeah, you kind of fell into prison pals. You 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 didn't fall into fear and living color, but you did kind of dig the hole yourself. Yes, because <laughs> uh, fear and living color started out as a as a tweet. And I believe it was like June second or something. No, mm-hmm. May second or something. Uh, and within four days, I had a Twitter account, a name for it, and was working with an artist to get art made. Mm-hmm. Um, it truly was me being like, you know what? I'll dig this hole myself. No one has to help me. I got it. <laughs> um, but yeah. Perfect. That's that's awesome. Um, I really love that. Uh, so, thank you so much for sitting down to have this very off, very impromptu, uh, <laughs> unplanned creator conversation with me. I'm all about tangents. It works with my ADHD. It's all good. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so before we go, one more time, uh, if you'd like to give a shout out to your Twitter, any of your shows, Twitter, any place where people can find you or any cool projects that you'd like people to check out. Uh, so my personal Twitter is at Russ Wildest, like I said before. Um, the show Prism Pals, which is our all ages show, is at Prism Pals. And then Fear in Living Color is at Fear in Living, which I think is very funny on Twitter. <laughs> Um, and then uh, projects I'm working on, it's really just Fear and Living Color right now, but something I do want to point out, uh, and do want to mention is Unbreakable. I already mentioned them before. It's an all own voice Asian anthology and stuff. They're coming out with four books this year, I believe. Like, in the rest of the year, that's all, like, different games, NPCs, different adventures and stuff. Um, and it's super duper cool. And the Twitter for Unbreakable is Unbreakable underscore pub, P-U-B. Um, yeah, they're coming out with a bunch of new stuff, like Unbreakable Revolution and a bunch of new books. And uh, they really gave my start in writing, so I have to shout them out because they're great and I love them. All right. Well, thank you so much. And do you have a good rest of the day, okay? Hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it'll be fine. <laughs> the intro and outro music for all IPM episodes is composed by Benny James. Our graphic art and logo are by Matthias Grelly. You can support International Podcast Month by sharing and talking about the event, and you can even buy our team members a coffee. Links are in the show notes. Follow us at PodMonth on Twitter. Head on over to internationalpodcastmonth.com for the month-long blog and for more information about the event. International Podcast Month, celebrating creators, sharing listeners.